Hello people. Welcome to the community of the Growth Mindset podcast. Guys, if you are a first time listener, don't forget to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening from so that you don't miss on more interesting episodes coming up in following weeks. And for our daily listeners, here we are again with a new episode where we will interview another interesting personality from a unique industry and understand how they were able to accomplish this great level of success. Remember, this is a podcast where we learn easy, practical methods and tips that we can implement in our daily lives from the very best and the most successful people known today. Because as we all know, success leaves clues. And we the people having the growth mindset will use these clues to create a better, more fulfilling and a successful life. So, let the growth begin. Thank you so much for taking your time out and joining me on the Growth Mindset podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much, man. And uh, I love the name of your show. And yeah, I mean, I remember five years ago when I didn't even know what a growth mindset was. So, <laughs> so it's awesome. Yep. Uh, now, Mark, uh, would you like to go ahead and you know talk a little bit about yourself? Basically, uh, basically just give a quick insight as to uh, what's your background like, where you're from, for people who might not know you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from the East Coast of America. And my my parents came to America from Egypt, they immigrated, Ooh. and, um, you know, had a very kind of simple childhood. My parents came to this country with $200 in their pocket. Just remember just having a very, very simple childhood. You know, we moved around a lot. We didn't necessarily live in the best communities. Um, but you know, as I got older, I just really began to, you know, fall down my own problems, just like everyone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, I faced a tremendous amount of racism. You know, I mm -hmm. remember going up in a, in a region, in a school where I was the only person who was not American, who was not white. Mm -hmm. um, and so I faced a lot of that. Um, and then also facing a lot of, um, you know, economic instability of my background taught me a lot on like how to be an entrepreneur mm. and so really you know when i look back at my life it's super super interesting many ups many downs um but ultimately it has led me here and you know honestly i do so many different things but they're really all tied through um you know exponential growth from the perspective mm. of you know um you know, when I was 15, 16 years old, I ended up starting a pretty successful business, just like from my laptop at home. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I've always really be always become an entrepreneur after that. And that really taught me the power of how to use technology to, you know, change your life to change your family's life, your socioeconomic background. Mm -hmm. Um, as I got older, I had my own, um, you know, a lot of people call them like mental health struggles. I think there's mm. a lot of stigma that comes with that. And so I call them brain health uh, struggles. Um, and so I faced a lot of that. And, and really, what I've really gotten to the conclusion of, uh, you know, I try for me, all my messaging, the message that I'm trying to bring to the world is to have, you know, emotional, mental, physical spiritual freedom and so mm. that comes with 
you know, making sure you take care of the things that are invisible to you, like your brain, your heart, yep. but then also, you know, bringing that on the outside and trying to create something too. And so long story short, I host a podcast. Uh, it's called Humans 2.0. It's also very popular like yours. Um, I'm on an Amazon Prime documentary series called yep. The Social Movement. I, um, I, I run a business. I'm in the middle of starting a nonprofit. Wow. I sit on a board education nonprofit. Um, I'm a speaker. I'm also an author of this book I came out with in March. Yes. And so honestly, you know, I do a lot of different things, but they all come through the same line of empowering people to mm. change things that are either invisible to them, like their mm. mental health or yep. things that are visible to them and, you know, making money and, and how do you create a movement, your brand, Correct. things like that. And so these two come hand in hand. And, you know, I remember once upon a time in my life where I was making like hundreds of thousands of dollars at a young age, but yet I was still depressed. Uh, I was obese. I had many, many, many different kinds of health issues. I've had people on my podcast from billionaires to the co-founder of Netflix who uh -huh. have told me like, you know, they, they had like $500 million in their bank account, but yet they were suicidal and depressed. Wow. And so just like my own experience, learning from a lot of smarter people from me, I've just learned that like, you know, a lot of people talk about like entrepreneurship. A lot of people talk about like mindset, but I think it's really a combination of those things, you know, because it's like, what do you do with your mindset? You know, people don't just want a positive growth mindset True. just for the sake of being happy all the time. You know, they want to actually do something with it. And even if you are happy all the time, but you're by yourself, I mean, you're not exactly. really doing the world a service. And so um, I try to explore this, this conversation and everything I do, whether it's my podcast, my book, uh -huh. uh, my course, my business, my speaking, my everything, you know, so and, and I know how, it's a very long answer, you? but <laughs> no, that's, that's nice. And how old are you? I'm turning 23, 23 years and you're doing a ton of work already. I mean, like, isn't that exciting in the first place? Now imagine 20 years from now, where you're going to be. I know I asked you the question in the beginning of the interview itself, wherein how old were you? But the reason I asked you that question is so that people can understand 23 and you're still hustling so that people can understand, you know, that you know, things like this, everybody is a victim. One or the other way, somebody is suffering from something that we don't know, no matter how much money they might have, uh, wealth they might have, how happy they might be looking from the outside. But the things that are invisible or invisible are the things that most of us suffer and that never comes out. And you and I, people like us, spreading awareness about these so that people can understand and know that you know, these things can be worked upon. And you're a classic example of this, right? You, uh, you mentioned that uh, when you came back from the Egypt to, to the United States, you were a, a victim of bullying in school, racism in school. Right? There are a lot of people out there today as well who are a victim of this, right? So mm. what would your advice be to these young kids or teenagers who are a victim of bullying, bullying or, uh, you know, sexual uh, abuse or obese or depression? What is your advice? What can they do to protect themselves from these? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, to give you the pic the big picture, you know, a lot of the times, you know, things like, uh, you know, bullying and abuse and whatnot, whether it's from kids your age or your parents, 
or your teachers. It can happen to, to anyone by anyone. Correct. Uh, a lot of the times this seems like, uh, like quite a harmless problem in society. We're like, oh, hey, so what? Someone says something to you, you know, just ignore them, just, you know, do whatever it takes. And so um, I think that's fine. But I think the reality is, is that oftentimes what ends up happening is that people who experience something at a young age from, you know, ages three to like 11, 12, 13, a lot of times what happens is they experience that. And oftentimes their nervous system, their psychology, what's growing with the kid is often very much shaped by that. And a lot of the times what you see is that 10 years down the road, the problem is still there, even if that kid is now a grown adult and it comes out in a different way. And it's not because, you know, these people, kids are like more sensitive these days. It's not because, you know, kids need to toughen up and like, you know, adults or my parents tell us like, you know, back in, back in our day, you know, we saw like (laughs) war and stuff and like, you know, and so I think the biggest thing that we need to understand is, um, just like how important it is uh, that these things aren't, they're not just like these random uh, problems. They are uh, things that can really stay with someone throughout oh. their entire life. And so, if, I mean, if someone was going through it right now, I mean, obviously what I would say is, you know, if you're a victim of anything like extremely serious, like sexual assault or anything like that, um, and you live in a society or you live in a world where you can report that, obviously go ahead and do that. But I know that's, that's quite difficult. Um, and honestly, what I would say is that, you know, looking back at it, uh-huh. I'm so grateful all these things happened to me, obviously, because they made me into who I am. Yep. And they really did kind of give me my superpowers. And there's, yeah. there's no way that, you know, a 22 year old would be doing this stuff if he didn't have it. And, and like, really what, what this is, is like, this is, this is the human story. And what I mean is like, I don't know if, I don't know if Batman is popular in India or, or what. I he assume is. so. Maybe not. He's okay. very popular. <laughs> okay, good. So you look at the story of Batman, you know, you have uh, someone who he started off as a kid, Bruce Wayne. Uh-huh. He saw his parents get murdered in front of him he starts to have like all of these mental health issues with like depression. And then he's like, you know what, you know, screw it. I'm, you know, as he gets older, he's like rich and rich and famous. He's got his parents money. And he's like, Hey, I want to put on this Batman suit and I'm going to go out. I'm going to beat the crap out of people. And I'm going to defend people who I don't even know. And so a lot of times this is the human story. You know, you're Hmm. growing up, you face some sort of terrible thing that shouldn't have happened to you. And then you know, you might spend 10 years in the negative Mm. aspect of that, being depressed, having severe anxiety, not being able to control it, putting yourself in the not so great situations. But then you start to learn things. You start to learn like, oh, wait, I can actually take this raw energy that my brain is automatically telling me is bad. And I can start to take that and use that to fuel me forward. And like the reality is, is that, you know, I have friends who have gone through not that many issues. You know, obviously everyone has problems. Everyone has gone through issues. 
but I have friends who have not that have not had a lot of issues and they, they'll tell me this themselves. And the reality is, is that they don't have any superpowers True. And, True. and that's just the truth. And so a lot of the times in our society, in our community, we are told, you know, if you have a life where your parents are rich, you have no problems, everyone is nice to you, then you'll grow up and you'll be successful. And I've definitely seen that happen too. You know, I have friends who, you know, their parents are extremely rich, but they raise them right and they're doing what they want to be doing. However, the opposite side to this is, you know, you come from nothing. Everywhere you go, people call you a loser. People don't respect you. People hate you. People start insulting you. People don't like you. You have no friends. Um, you try to do something and you fail 16 times. You get lost for a decade of your life. And what happens is usually a lot of people will emerge after that unbelievably more successful than the person who had no issues that society says, oh, this is what it looks like to, ha to have success. When in reality, it's really people who have come from the mud. True. that are able to create themselves. And every single person on my podcast, for the most part, has had like the most terrible problems happen uh -huh. to them, but now they're doing amazing things. And so if you're going through it right now, obviously, you know, if it's extremely serious, you need to report it. You need to make sure nothing too dangerous happens. And then you need to realize that um, this is the cycle of life. And I think if you understand that, then your, your attention, your focus shifts. And you're able to be like, okay, I know this is going to happen. So what then happens is I think you begin to reflect and you begin to say like, if this is the way that it is, if these are like the rules of life, let me accept these rules and then take responsibility for what I can't control now. You know, I can't, I can't control what other people are going to say about me, but I can't control what I say to people. You know, and so you begin to look at it from that perspective, because the reality is the last thing I'll say is so many people that are in this mentality that have gone through bullying, racism, abuse, you essentially hold the belief in your head that other people are controlling you and your hmm. life. And if other people are controlling your life, you're never going to be happy because you need to be in control of your own life. Sure. And so I think for me, you know, I remember when I was 18 years old and I was actually depressed, obese, and I was actually suicidal. I remember going on these long walks and I remember on these long walks, I began to find out that my brain had been repeating a lot of negative thoughts to me had been constantly trying to pull me down, you know, telling me, Mark, you're a loser. You suck. No one likes you. All the stuff going on in the background, whether I, whether it was clear as in I could hear it or whether it was just silent and it was invisible underneath the surface. Huh. And I remember realizing that a lot of those negative thoughts, a lot of those things that were causing me a lot of harm, those weren't even my thoughts. These thoughts weren't even mine. These thoughts had been placed in my mind from the time when I was bullied when I was younger. Uh, because this is the thing that I've learned. Your brain's number one job is not to keep you happy. Your brain's uh, number one job is to keep you to survive. And so when you look at evolution, you look at the way biology works, 
any information that is negative is more important than positive information due yeah. to survival. You know, if you ignore the wrong thing, that may put you in danger. And so when you're a kid and you're going through this, if you keep hearing things again and again and again, whether that's from your parents, your family, your friends, people at school, your boss, anyone, your brain is going to pick up that information and it's going to store it. And then it's going to uh, repeat it in your own voice. Oh, and then you're going to be man. like, wait, these thoughts, these beliefs, these aren't even mine. And so right. that's what causes a lot of teenagers, a lot of young adults to just go through life very confused, not really understanding. And so if you're yeah. able to understand what I said there of like, you know, this is natural. This is the human story. This is Batman. This is the Batman story. But it's up to you on how you change it. You know, are you going to sit down? Are you going to get drunk all the time and like, like yeah. Bruce Wayne and his mansion and ignore your problems? Or are you going to get out there and try to not only help yourself, but also help other people? And then re just realize more on like the psychology, the neuroscience, sure. because it can definitely help someone's perspective a lot to not just take it so personally, right? Because, yeah. you know, I remember when I was younger and I, you know, someone was racist to me or said something insulting, I always took it so personally. I was uh -huh. like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that to me. And like, I was always a nice guy. So I was just like, wait, why would they say that to me? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. And like, especially something like racism, I don't really understand racism. You know, I don't understand how you can judge someone based on a different color, you know, than, yeah. than the rat. So that doesn't make much sense. But yeah, I remember going through that and just taking it so personally, taking it so to heart. I'm like, oh my God. But then uh -huh. as you grow up, you realize the people who are bullying are people who have been bullied. The people True. who abuse people are people who have been abused. Yeah. And like, dude, I, I've literally gotten Facebook messages from uh -huh. people who used to bully me and be racist to me when I was younger from school, message me now. And they literally would tell me like, I'm so sorry for what I did. You know, my dad was actually an alcoholic and he wow. beat the crap out of me every night. And I would take wow. that out on you. And so I think if you look at it from that perspective, it just helps you not take it as personally. And you really begin to do realize that, you know, anyone who attacks you is, is just a victim. They're hurt, but they don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to cope with it, you know? Correct. And so that's what I would say. I hope that answers your question. Definitely. And it, it's, as you said, right, before we even began the conversation, you were talking about, um, we all like stories, right? End of the day, uh, we all like stories of empowerment, like the underdog when he rises to the top. So if you compare, if you, if you give a, a statistics to people telling them to choose a person who has no issues and has amazing parents, amazing lifestyle versus a person who had tons of issues, a lot of problems, but then he rises to success and people tend to like the underdog more because he has been able to achieve something that was not given to him, right? And then the second point, which you mentioned, right, uh, about accepting, let's say somebody's getting bullied and accepting the fact that, okay, fine, this is how the life, this is how life is. And maybe the person who is bullying you uh, or who is trying to, you know, take advantage of you may have some, you know, psychological issue. He might be a, a victim from somebody else and then he's trying to throw that shit on you. And then you yeah. accepting the fact and then, you know, thinking about what is there in his control and working on to make those things better, I think people will be in much better position to take, uh, you know, in charge of their lives 
rather than compared to as you mentioned right sitting at a mansion and drinking like how bruce wayne was so either you can yeah. go ahead face your problems or you can sit and you know think like you're a victim and then you'll never be able to rise so it's more yeah. about taking charge of your life and making sure that you know you surround yourself with people that love and support you and even if they don't i mean it's it's you who can actually change your life nobody else end of the day yeah definitely and you know one more thing that i would add on to that is like you know for me whenever i like i remember it, it's so strange to look back at now because i'm mm-hmm. i'm like so um uh i'm like so detached to who i was mm-hmm. um you know i think when i was growing up whenever i would experience anxiety i didn't know it was anxiety mm-hmm. and so all of a sudden i would just be living life and then all of a sudden my mind would start to like take me down the spiral of like you know it would start off with something small it would be like yeah mark did you finish your homework for mm. class tomorrow and then it'd be like oh wait no i didn't and then all of a sudden my heartbeat would start to mm. increase my my breath would start to be more shallow all of a sudden my thoughts would be like they would just start coming in fast and fast and fast and then it would go to another thing and then it would go into another thing and then it would go to another thing and then i would be like oh my god my life sucks i'm such a terrible person what am i gonna do and so I remember like that would happen like all the time. That was my mm-hmm. life. But yeah. the moment when I realized what anxiety was, which was really, you know, this is a, this is a pattern of emotional responses that your brain has, that your mind has. Realizing what mental health was completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is like, I remember I would be in a classroom in school and I remember, you know, during attendance or or during class, you would look around and you see all your classmates next to you. And the really interesting part about mental health is that we can only see things that people show us, Uh, right? So we can see the clothes that people wear. We can see people's facial expressions. Are they smiling? Are they not smiling? We can see um, you know, maybe their words if they choose to say them. And so a lot of the times we will be in a classroom or we'll be at work or we'll be wherever and there will be people surrounded and everyone will dress nice. They'll look nice. They'll have the nice hairstyles. Everyone will be like smiling and, and like being awesome. And the reality is, is that this is the outside world. This is the external world. But when you take a look at the inside, I guarantee you, you know, if you're sitting in the classroom of 25 people, I guarantee you there's going to be like five or 10 other kids who are literally having anxiety right now, but they've just been taught to just like smile through it and to pretend they're positive and happy. And so I think the biggest thing that really changed my perspective is understanding what mental health is rather than every time I get anxiety. I think of it more as a moral or an ethical issue of like, wow, I'm a terrible person for having these thoughts. It then just begins to go to like, oh, this is how the human mind works. I'm having a totally normal emotional response. Not everyone around me is totally normal. I'm sure they are also having their own issues, but that are just invisible. You know, like you can see someone's broken leg, you can see someone's broken arm, but you can't see somebody's broken mind. And so- Talking about mental health, destigmatizing mental health, and whether you want to call it 
mental health, your brain health, your mindset, whatever word you want to use to describe how your brain's emotional, mental, internal processes run is so important. And the reason why this is so important is because you can just measure this in countries where there is high stigma on mental health. There is a much, much, much higher suicide rate. There is a much, much higher depression. So for example, the Middle East, Uh, India, very high rates of suicide. Why? Because people don't talk about it. You know, uh, a guy your age, that's 27, 28, will have some sort of a problem. And then people will say like, oh, dude, just suck it up. You know, just toughen up. Just be a man, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And so when there is like this fundamental lack of... um, of being able to talk about this mental health, then people go where there is no return. People escape. And so, you know, that's also part of my mission too. You know, I'm trying to take what I've been doing and I've been trying to push this more out in terms of people in the Middle East, uh, in terms of India, in terms of countries where, um, and it's actually funny, right? So uh, on a different note, I, uh, I wrote a book called screw being shy it's all about social anxiety people who Uh can't talk to other people i faced this for so many years and you actually look at it countries where like especially in the middle east places in southeast asia much 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 higher rates of shyness Uh social anxiety and there are many factors due to that but a major part of it is the culture is a major Uh part of it is people just don't talk about it or they have certain words for dismissing it or like Uh you know she's just not feeling well today or she's you know she's tired or she has to go take a nap or whatever it is you know i'm from the middle east they do the same exact thing and so the more Uh and more we talk about this the more and more people feel like they are not being abandoned and just like shoved into a corner by society where they don't kill themselves, where they do not use drugs and alcohol to escape, where they, they don't push other people and, 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 and bully others. And so, you know, that's also part of my mission too, because that's so important. So true. True. And, and I love the part wherein you, you mentioned about uh, the book as well, right? Uh, I've I've had a look at your book, Screw Being Shy. Uh, now, can you tell us about that book? What is it all about? So that people uh, who want to grab that book can have an idea as to what they can expect out of your book. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, you know, I honestly wrote my book because, um, you know, so I'm a, I'm a speaker. You know, uh-huh. I get invited by yep. uh, companies, conferences, organizations. And, um, you know, I usually talk about either like, um, you know, how to be like influential online. How do you build a conscious following? Uh-huh. Or on the more mental health uh, side as well. And so I found, I think probably after every single time I went up to speak, I would have at least one person come up to me after and like, you know, they wouldn't make direct eye contact with me. You know, they'd kind of be looking down. They'd be, Uh I could tell they were just really nervous. Um, maybe they would call themselves an introvert or shy or quiet. Uh And they would ask me, you know, Mark, how did you go from someone who like literally couldn't talk to people to being able to, you know, speak confidently on stage uh, in Uh front of like a thousand people. And so I just kept on seeing that again and again and again. And I was really like, man, I have to write a book about this because, um, you know, I've read a lot of books about this topic, but to be honest with you, I don't think there's a single book out there that <laughs> personally has the, the methods, the science, 
the perspectives, the real world examples that I mentioned in my book, um, that just makes it common sense for like the average person, whether they're a kid or, or a student or an adult to pick up and read. That really just shows you how do you go from someone who has always been labeled as shy, quiet introvert, although you don't want to be, you know, yeah. you have something that you want to say, but every time that you want to say something, it feels like your body, your brain is just holding you back. You feel like you want to talk, but you just can't. And yeah. so that's social anxiety. And I went through that for 10 years of my life and wow. that's, it's brutal. It's brutal. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, um, and so this is such a major problem that I just feel like wasn't getting addressed. And so I was like, man, I got to write a book about this screw being shy yeah. and get it out to as many people as possible. Okay. So now, yeah. pe- now people who are, let's say who have this social anxiety, who have a fear of going in front of a crowd and then talking, uh, what would your advice be to them? Uh, how can they get rid of uh, social anxiety or people are introverted to be able to go ahead and talk to other people? Any three practical advice that you have on top of your mind? Yeah. So the first one is, um, you know, there's no article, there's no podcast, there's no social media post that's going to give you just the best three tips to, <laughs> to eliminate social anxiety and be the best networker and have ultimate True. confidence. You know, and so, you know, I think, you know, I see a lot of like these confidence tips or networking tips. I think those are fine. Uh I think those work for people who are just maybe a little bit quiet, you know, and that's totally fine. But people who have social anxiety, shyness, you know, personally for me, I I try not to talk about, you know, Band-Aid solutions as in Uh things that people can do on the shallow. Uh I like to get down to the root. And so um, if you want to get down to the root, this is what it is. So the first thing that people need to understand is that social anxiety is actually not your main problem. Social anxiety is a symptom of you having psychological trauma from a young age. If you have experienced some sort of a psychologically traumatic experience, many times, many times, your brain will have social anxiety. And the reason why is because you are now in a, you know, you, something happened to you that, essentially made your brain realize like, wow, people, like I need to pay more attention to people because what if somebody screws me over again? Or what if somebody hurts me again? And so your brain literally just becomes more sensitive, becomes more elevated. And it's usually stuck like that for the rest of your life. And so a lot of the times people who experience psychological trauma, which is really everybody to a varying degree, you know, it doesn't have to be some extremely like you know, serious thing, Uh, like you getting sexually abused or so on and so forth. A lot of the times, unless you experience some sort of a, um, a a traumatic, another traumatic event or another transformative event, most people will probably never change. Um, uh, and so number one is just understanding that social anxiety is just a symptom that appears uh, when there is a deeper problem that is happening. And so number two is that you have to heal your psychological trauma. And so what I mean by this is like the reason why human beings are human beings is because, you know, if you look at an animal, for example, that's getting born, like if you look at a giraffe or something, you know, I don't know if you've seen those videos of like a giraffe being born, but like literally the second it's born, it can like run around and like get its own food. If you look at a human being, a human being can't do anything on its own, you know, like it (laughs) literally, like literally if you leave a human baby, 
by itself, yeah. it's going to die. It's not going to survive. Yeah. It literally cannot even move. It can't even yeah. lift its own neck by its yeah. own. That's how helpless the, you know, the human spirit is when it comes into this planet. And mm. so a lot of times our brains have created this framework where the first part of our life is all about creating these neurons, creating mm. these connections True. where we can just immediately learn, you know, get on this learning pathway of, hey, I'm going to watch behavior. I'm going to learn it from my parents. I'm going to learn it from whoever. And then that's going to get stored in my brain. And so if yep. anything happens to you at that young of an age, a lot of the times that is stored into your brain. Mm. Okay. And so the step after that comes to, you need to begin to heal your brain itself, not your mind. You need to heal mm. your brain, not the mind. Totally forget about your mindset. That's mm. not even important right now. It's all about your brain because your mind is in your brain. And unfortunately, what happens is people who experience psychological trauma, the issue, of course, there's an issue with their mind, but there it becomes a bigger issue with their brain. Their brain uh, becomes dysfunctional. It becomes highly in, uh, inflammatory. Um, you know, if you do like a brain scan on it, it's uh, highly inflamed. It doesn't really work that well. Your neurotransmitters are all out of whack. Um, that may impact different parts of your body that may decrease your energy that may decrease your neurotransmitters. And so what happens is people who have broken minds oftentimes have broken brains. Uh, and so you need to look at the brain first. And so how do you look at the brain? You need to look at it like an organ. Uh, and so the same way that like, if you, you know, if you have a problem with your heart, you know, you go to the cardio doctor, yeah. the heart doctor, and he says, you know, listen, Mark, you need to start exercising, bro. Like, you know, uh, we now know that if you can't exercise, your heart is not going to be used and it's going to grow weak. Yeah. Hey, guess what? We know that, you know, if you are eating, you know, the, the wrong amounts of sugar with fat, that's going to increase cholesterol in your heart yeah. and you're going to die. And so yeah. you need to look at the brain from that same perspective. However, most of the healthcare industry most of the education system, they, they uh -huh. teach kids, they teach us nothing about how to take care of your brain. Exactly. And so luckily, a lot of the things that work for our physical body also work for our brain because uh -huh. like a lot of people don't know that our brain, our first brain's function is actually to take care of our body. You know, our body is completely controlled yeah. by our brain. And you notice people who have, um, you know, Alzheimer's or dementia. Uh -huh where uh -huh. their brain is being destroyed, it's, it's degenerating, yeah. they are very slow. They can't really True. pick things up. They can't play yeah. ping pong. And so the brain, its first responsible job is for the body. And so to take care of the brain, you have to take care of the body. And so that is making sure you exercise. Um, I think sleep is probably one of the most important things that, uh -huh. um, that a lot of people don't understand. You know, the fact that like, you know, you can stay up all night and watch Netflix or you can even stay up all night and do productive things, you know, yeah. like code or like be an entrepreneur. These things literally destroy your brain. And like, I um, literally stayed up every single night for like the first 18 years of my life. Wow. And then now I sleep for um, eight hours a day because I know how important it is. It's so important. Um, you know, one of the last things that I'll say is that, um, you know, a key thing that controls your behavior in your life obviously is your brain, which we talked about, but what controls your brain are your neurotransmitters. Uh -huh. And these neurotransmitters, these work with your neurons, these fire, 
depending on the function. And there are many different kinds of neurotransmitters. You know, probably the most common one that people hear is like dopamine. Yeah. Uh, another one is oxytocin. Oxytocin. Yeah. Yeah. One of the most important neurotransmitters, however, especially in terms of like mental health and social anxiety is serotonin. Mm. And serotonin, um, it does a lot of things in our body. Yeah. It regulates your mood. It regulates your appetite. It regulates your sexual desire. It regulates your sleep. And it regulates how you behave in social groups. Mm. And so serotonin is extremely important. And they actually found out that um, like 15 years ago, the most common assumption by most like scientists, doctors, researchers was that most serotonin is in your brain, right? Because it makes mm. sense. It's a neurotransmitter. It's got to be in your brain. Yeah. They actually find out that that's wrong. Only five to 10% of serotonin is in your brain. 90 to 95% of serotonin is in this thing in your body called the gut microbiome, which wow. is this ecosystem between your intestines and your stomach. Uh-huh. where literally trillions of bacteria have been living ever since you were born that you got from your mom, that when she was breastfeeding you, she was giving you bacteria, that whenever you put something in your body and you chew it and you digest it, your gut microbiome actually chews that first and then it gives it off to your stomach to consume. Oh. And so actually in the chapter of my book where I talk about the fact where um you know, I really struggled and I kind of fell down my rock bottom and I became suicidal for the first time in my life. That chapter is called first my gut broke and then my brain broke. And they've actually mm. showed many studies where if your gut microbiome is increase is, is experiencing inflammation due to chronic stress, probably the biggest one is not the right food choices. Mm. Then that immediately connects to your mental health and your brain. And yet a lot of us, especially here in America, are just told to like, hey, eat whatever, you yeah. know, whatever fast food. And, yeah. and now people obviously know that like if you do that, you're going to be obese, you're going to have diabetes, okay. you're going to have heart disease. But unfortunately, what a lot of people don't understand is that like, you know, for example, uh, d- dementia, what I just mentioned, the uh-huh. disease where your brain degenerates. Yeah. In America, they're now calling that type three diabetes. And that's because the same uh, modulator insulin Uh that um, if someone eats too many sugary sweets, they can get diabetes. Uh They actually found out it works the same exact way with your brain. If your insulin and your blood glucose is constantly firing because Uh you're eating ice cream, junk food, brownies, that will eventually cause your brain to rot, become inflamed and die. And so the Uh, other piece of food and health is very much mental health. And so uh, that's a major part of my book too. You know, if someone is experiencing mental health problems, I think one of the the easiest things that someone can do is to look at their neurotransmitters. uh, Because a lot of the times, like, even if you give somebody the best book in the world that tells them how to like, you know, redo their mindset or they listen to a podcast. If you actually get someone who actually has mental health problems, that's not going to do anything to them. Sure. Sure. They may like, they may like listen to it. They may be able to improve maybe 1%. Uh But if, if some, if there's a problem that is happening in their hardware, the beneath the surface biochemistry, not Uh much is going to change long-term. And so for me, when I began to look at my biochemistry, 
by changing my gut microbiome by mostly through how I eat, exercise, uh-huh. making sure that I lower my stress, sleep. Uh-huh. That's like a major layer, a yeah. major step that someone can do. And uh-huh. if you do that and you also face social anxiety, you will realize that your social anxiety goes from like maybe like 95% controlling your life uh-huh. to like maybe 50% or 40%. And then uh-huh. what happens is then you can begin to work Get on it. your mind. Yeah. You know, you yeah. work on your brain first because that's the foundation. And then you work yeah. on your mind and then you see a much, much accelerated long lasting change that's not just you like trying something for a month and then going back and then no you have to start out with food and honestly every single successful person who i've talked to they are all somewhat mindful of what uh, goes in their mouth because that is literally what your body and brain uses to replenish your cells uh, after they go away and so that's extremely yeah. important and then the last thing that i'll say on that is like there's no such thing as universal healthy diet. There's uh, no such thing as telling people that everyone should be vegan or everyone uh, should go on keto or everyone yeah. should go on whatever diet. The truth is there's no such thing as a universal healthy diet, but the one universal healthy diet that we do know of is natural foods that are not artificial, that have not come from a factory, that uh-huh. were not created by nabisco or general mills doritos oreos all that (laughs) stuff is craft for you all that stuff when you eat it like you may be able to do that as a kid or you may as a young adult be able to do that and just like oh i'm not gonna eat this so i don't get fat for me yeah it's all about the brain i don't eat certain foods because it's all about my brain i don't really care about my body but the brain is where it's at so that's the perspective that i want to give people especially entrepreneurs awesome yeah, I love the part wherein, you know, I did, never knew that serotonin, you know, most of that stays in the gut. Uh, I always believe that it's in the brain, but that's a really interesting thing that I've learned personally today. And the fact yes. that you're hitting the root <laughs> and the fact that you're hitting the root of the problem, right, rather than trying to fix it using a band-aid is also very important because once we understand what the root cause is, is when we will be able to actually work on ourselves that actually sustains for a longer time rather than yeah. just putting a band-aid and trying to recover it. Makes yeah, absolutely, sense. Absolutely, man. Yeah, and, and like this is this is honestly the skill that I've learned from being a podcast host. Uh-huh. You know, like people listen to my podcast not because it's like, you know, the best edited or the best produced or like I'm some famous person or whatever. Uh-huh. It's just because I'm real with people. And one of the exactly. things that I've learned from being a host is like, I don't want to waste people's time. You know, I, I don't want to talk just for the sake of talking. I don't want to post something just for the sake of posting. Uh I want to talk about stuff in a way that maybe people have never heard before or stuff that just doesn't waste people's time that gets them to the root cause. And so like as a podcast host, I've sat in front of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And as an entrepreneur, I've sat in front of thousands of people. Some of them have told me awesome, useful stuff. And some of them have told me crap. Some of them have told me BS. And so I think it's a great skill as a podcast host, as someone that people can trust to be a trustworthy person, to say like, Hey, I'm going to talk to these people and we're going to explore the route. And if you do that, you're going to have a very successful podcast because people are going to trust you. So that's the main thing too, from a different like meta perspective as well. True. Now, uh, you also take part, you know, uh, the first part that obviously you take care of is the mental health, you know, wherein you're spreading more awareness about mental health, social anxiety, amazing stuff that 
but you also right. have uh, you know you're doing amazing work at the other areas of life which is you know teaching people how to build personal brand uh, it could be on linkedin different platforms starting yeah. their own business now for people who want to build their own personal brand right uh, it could be on any platform you can just give some two or let's say three tips for people who want to build their own personal brand in different platforms and who want to become successful what your advice will be for them how can they build a personal brand yeah absolutely you know so i would say to first off you need to under, you need to figure out why why do you want to do something and what i mean hmm. is like you know i remember i remember when i was a kid and someone you know i remember i was like really into coding like coding mm-hmm. on the computer i was making apps websites things like that at a young age and i remember like I would like get offered to take some free class, some free course on coding. And I would take it and I would be like, oh, this is so awesome. This is so fun. I'm learning so much. But then like a week I would just give up. And it wasn't because I wasn't focused. It's not because I had the discipline. It's just because I didn't know why, why I was learning this language in the first place. And so I think the most important step for anyone to really do anything is to really figure out like, why do you want to do this for a reason that's true to you? You know, you know, if you're you know, if you're on YouTube and you're watching a Gary V video and he's talking about starting a personal brand, you're like, I got to start a personal brand. I got to do it. I got to like make a TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all this stuff. I mean, you're probably going to give up after like a month. Exactly. You know, you're probably not going to last. And so I think it's all about like, what are the real legitimate reasons as to why you want to start a personal brand? And so personally for me, that was like, um, um you know, I, I was, before I started talking about mental health, I was, I was more known as like an entrepreneur, oh. but I was like, I don't want to talk about entrepreneurship all the time. You know, I think there are more important things for that. Exactly. And so part of my brand was like, I want to give a platform to things that are more important to things that I really want people to learn and benefit from. Um, and then also be able to become a key player in my industry so that maybe 10, 20 years down the road, when I'm like 32 or 42, maybe I can get to a spot where I can collaborate with either governments or the top industries that are actually changing the world. And so there's many different reasons, but find out your reason. Uh, Number two is um, set up the right systems behind it. And what I mean is like, I think it's, I think it's much, much easier for someone to say like, Hey, I'm going to build up my LinkedIn rather than saying I'm going to build my LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest podcast. And so I would say to, obviously this depends on your resources. It depends on if you're doing it by yourself or if you have your team, but I would say to start off slowly with one system, like for example, LinkedIn or podcasting and, uh, and just triple down on those Um, do really well. And then as you grow, then you can take a more omni-channel approach where uh, you're in many different spots at the same time. Uh, um, and then honestly, you know, what I would say is like, you know, I think the last three months in the world, at least in, I don't know about India, uh-huh. but at least in America, just across the board, regardless of industry, I think it's really shown us that there is no leadership in our country. <laughs> and obviously there, there are a lot of great leaders for sure. Uh-huh. But I think our society in general has gotten to a point where we made a lot of assumptions around, yeah. oh, this person is a leader because they're in this part of the government, or this person's a leader because they have this title at this company. But then you really see what happens. Like, 
when crap hits the fan and there are actual problems, you see how a lot of these leaders are not even leading and they're acting very defensive and so on and so forth. Again, at least in America, I don't know about India, but um, I think this has really cued us and it's really created the most, the greatest opportunity in history Mm. for true leadership. Yeah. And so I think if you're able to have some sort of a leadership position and that doesn't have to be like some formal position, being a leader means that, you know, you, you're not afraid of what other people say. Being a leader means that you say what everybody else is thinking, but is too afraid to say. Uh-huh. Being a leader is um, not having all the answers, but being able to clearly communicate uh-huh. with people that you don't have all the answers and you need to come up with a new solution together. Yeah. And so whether you are leading a like having your own business or you don't being a leader in some way some shape some form is going to really like change Uh like if you're able to be a leader for someone now on social media or for a podcast or be a source of support for them i mean 10 years from now they're still gonna think about you in in your heart and so yeah that's what i would say and so why figure out why you want to be doing it Uh figure out like the systems and start Uh off as small as possible and work your way up and then in every single thing that you do try to find a way to speak on leadership you know and it's not it's not the fact that like oh you want to get known as some ceo leader that's like you know doing being so awesome and cool but it's just like you know when you're able to uh, give value to other people when yeah. you're able to educate others uh-huh. when you're able to support entertain them um you know that's what it means to be a human being exactly. and in a world where you know on social media a lot of people are um are not doing that <laughs> and if you're able to do that you know yeah. that can definitely take you a, a long way you know but it's definitely exactly. hard so yeah that's definitely yeah now, uh, Mark, you also uh, interview a lot of, you know, unique and basically leaders from across the, across the globe, basically, right? You've interviewed people or you've spoken to people with uh, people like uh, Seth Godin on your podcast. You've interacted with uh, Jay Shetty, Vishen over LinkedIn, multiple mm-hmm. people, right? Now, what has been your learning from these great leaders? Any pattern that you've observed? That has made them truly successful that my listeners can also understand and try to implement in their lives so that they could be successful. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's such a good question. I think the biggest one is, you know, I remember, you know, when I was just starting to interview all these people and stuff, uh-huh. we were so nervous <laughs> to interview them. Uh-huh. And, you know, part of me being nervous like that was because I thought that they were better than me uh-huh. and I thought they were better than me because you know you go on social media go on their website yeah. they have like this perfect brand yeah. they have like this perfect you know personality identity yeah and I think for me the biggest thing was just realizing that all these people have problems you know uh-huh. like for me when I got to sit down with Jay Shetty in New York uh-huh. City for like over an hour and him telling me like off camera that he sometimes gets shy too if he's not like speaking at an event and he's just, I guess, invited there, whether they say on camera, on air or not, has really just led me that there's no such thing as a perfect person. 
And even if I still have anxiety, even if I'm still nervous, even if I still feel like I can't do this, that doesn't, that doesn't separate uh, anything from my value, you know? And yeah. so being able to go through that has been a real superpower because whenever, uh, you know, I'm about to do something and I'm nervous, I'm confident, instead of asking myself like, oh, Mark, you're so stupid. Why are you doing this? I'm like, no, I'm just a human being. Literally everyone has these same issues and it's just a yeah. matter of becoming aware of it and then managing it. And so uh, that's like a meta, a meta pattern that I have picked up that has been extremely valuable for my life of like, all of these people from professional athletes to billionaires to Jay Shetty to all these people, they uh -huh. all still have problems. They all still yeah. have faults. And yeah. so when you understand that, it gives you permission uh -huh. to accept and forgive your own faults, your own mistakes, uh -huh. your own issues. Awesome. And move awesome. on and do it. Makes sense. Uh, one last question, uh, Mark, before, you know, since I know we're coming to the end of the interview, uh, what do you think is the purpose of life? I would say two things. Uh -huh. um, one, the purpose of life is whatever someone defines it as. Um, you know, I'm very much as I'm very much a spiritual person, uh -huh. but I'm also a realist in the sense of, um, you know, I think if someone doesn't have a purpose, and they ask themselves, "Oh, you know, what's the purpose of life? This is so stupid." then they're going to think that life has no purpose. Uh, but if they can create it, then they're going to realize that life has purpose because yeah. they themselves have purpose within them. Uh, and the second thing that I would say is that, you know, I personally think that earth is just a training ground for all of us, for all of our soul spirits to constantly improve, learn so that we can get to the next dimension, the next mm -hmm. level, the next layer. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, actually I was, on a I was on a phone call this morning with a friend of mine. Uh -huh. And she told me that, um, you know, every time like someone pisses you off, anytime someone triggers you, they are sent by your spirit to teach you a lesson. Uh -huh. And so when you look at it from that perspective, you know, I don't know if that's true <laughs> or not, but when you look at it from that perspective, it's like literally like every problem has been created by you for you uh -huh. in order for you to become the person who you've meant to be. And so literally yeah. this helps me understand that literally every single problem in my life is the exact problem that's supposed to be in my life right now for me uh, to become the person who I'm going to be tomorrow. Makes sense. Awesome. Uh, Mark, those are some great advices and I'm sure uh, listeners who are going to be listening to our interview will definitely benefit a lot, both in terms of mental health as well as how they can build their own personal brand. So, you know, thank you so much for taking your time out and joining us on the Growth Mindset Podcast. Of course, man. You're the best. Thank this you. was a terrific interview. You're thank a great you so host. Much.